This is the Other Bundesliga's European podcast where we look back at how the Austrian teams got on during match day four of the group stages and we look ahead to the key moments to come before the knockout stages in European competition. Listening to the other Bundesliga podcast. On this episode, the team will be refreshing you about what happened all those weeks ago back on match day four of the group stages in the UEFA Champions League, the UEFA Europa League, and the Conference League, too. But before we get going for this one, there have been a few developments over here since we recorded the bulk of this podcast. Most significantly, Austria has now gone back into a nationwide COVID lockdown and therefore any sections of this pod where we're getting excited about the sold out atmosphere in the stadia for Sturm when they face Monaco, for instance, for Rapid as they take on West Ham this week or for Salzburg when they host Sevilla on the final match day of the Champions League groups. That is uh, not going to be the case anymore, unfortunately. Fans are no longer allowed into Austrian Stadia for the next few weeks at least, so all that atmosphere that we talk of will not be there. We did hear from lots of fans as well who were planning trips over to Austria in the near future. Unfortunately, none of that is going to be possible at the current time for any fun football trips, but we do hope you'll come back in the new year, so do let us know on Twitter if you're planning some kind of ground hop in Austria, of course, and we'd be delighted to get in touch. For Rapid, it's a big shame, especially as we were all really excited about the sold-out home game against Premier League opposition. That's a big financial hit for the club, of course, and a loss of uh, a large amount of much-needed home support too for Salzburg. Well, they'll miss that against Sevilla on what could be a very much decisive match day six in the Champions League, but also their plans for official fan transport up to Lille this week for their game. That's off. Technically, some other fans could make it along if they're not based in Austria and subject to the lockdown, but it's going to be pretty much a game without fans for Salzburg this Tuesday. The good news is they could, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for this, they could wrap up a place in the knockout stages anyway with an away win against Lille, who are struggling a bit in the bottom half of Ligue 1 this season. So if Salzburg do that... Everything we mention on the pod about the final day against Sevilla at home with the fans and all the atmosphere cheering them on, um, well, that will be a little bit redundant, of course. When it comes to Rapid Vienna as well, their manager Didi Kubau was recently removed from his job. We've discussed Rapid a lot more on our latest Bundesliga podcast, which you can find, well, wherever you found this one, really. But uh, club legend Stefan Hoffman will be in the dugout again on Thursday for a huge if empty, game against high-flying West Ham United. So without further ado, enjoy our European podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the other Bundesliga. Welcome to the Other Bundesliga podcast. My name is Tom Midler and I'm joined at the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna's beautiful 8th district by Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. And we're here to talk about the four Austrian teams that were in European action or still are, in fact, in European group stage action. We've had match day four, still two games to go. We'll survey the lie of the land and how it's looking for the teams. And to start off with, we'll go with Salzburg again as uh, FC Salzburg are in UEFA Champions League action. 
But it was a bit of a setback for them on match day four. Their first defeat of the Champions League campaign and their first defeat of the whole season, no less. Lee, you were the one to uh, watch that one for us. What are your initial thoughts on uh, Salzburg losing 2-1 against Wolfsburg? Yeah, it was their first defeat of the season, but it did also come in their 23rd game in all competitions. So you have to say that it's not a bad start and it was bound to come at some point. I think Salzburg will come away from this game, which they they lost 2-1, with some regrets. Um, They had a great chance to go ahead through Adeyemi in the second minute. It was sort of reminiscent of his opening goal in the in the reverse fixture of this one a few weeks ago. And within 60 seconds, a little bit of sluggish defending uh, allowed Riedler Baku uh, to tap in at the back post for Wolfsburg. Lovely free kick from Maxi Verber. Fancy having a centre-back that can do that on the 30-minute mark, uh, curling that one home. So it was 1-1. And then Verber perhaps caught out a bit defensively on the hour mark as uh, Nemecha um, fired the ball into the top corner so 2-1 it ended uh, perhaps a slightly surprising result when you look at the, the stats Salzburg with more shots, corners possession, passes but I think Wolfsburg just sort of managed to hang on in the end the statistic uh, so decisive uh, defensive interventions something along those lines 30-10 to 10 in Wolfsburg's favour so I think they just about did enough to get over the line does that suggest then that Wolfsburg were, were hanging on a bit against the performance of Salzburg? I know that uh, Jessler, the coach, and the players who were interviewed post-game, nobody seemed particularly down after the defeat, it has to be said. I mean, unsurprisingly, the confidence levels are still high in the squad. It's a first defeat, as you said, 23 games in. You, uh, you don't need to hit the panic button just yet with that. They're still top of the Champions League group. It's not uh, all doom and gloom by any means. But... How, uh, how did Salzburg's performance stack up against the performance that they put on when they faced Wolfsburg at home? And uh, more importantly, I'll switch over to this too. What about Wolfsburg? Because it seems f- from what I saw that they stepped up massively. Uh, I mentioned in the last pod that I was a little bit worried that there might be a new manager bounce from Wolfsburg. And they certainly seem to, to get it uh, in this game at least. Yeah, Florian Korfert, who, who was uh, actually relegated with Werder Bremen not so long ago, has come in. And that... New manager bounce, as you put it, Tom, seems to have carried over into the league as well. They've kicked off with a couple of wins. And I think that did seem to give them a little bit of impetus. They were looking a bit flat under, under Mark van Bommel. But as I say, Salzburg still played very well. I think that they were on the front foot for a lot of that game. And perhaps if a few decisive moments had, had panned out slightly differently, we'd be talking about Salzburg qualifying for the knockout stages. I, I don't think it was all that far away. I've talked quite a bit on our pods about Salzburg having uh, poor defending over the last couple of years, which has sort of cost them in European competition. And actually, they've conceded the joint most goals in the group. So even though defensively they have been better across the board, they have conceded quite a few goals in this group stage. And of all of the group leaders at the moment, they are the lowest scoring with only seven goals. So it's not all been plain sailing, but I do still expect them to qualify Obviously, much will depend on this Sevilla game um, at home. Sevilla haven't won a game yet, so you'd really look at that one as being the one where Salzburg could get themselves over the line. Yeah, to use the old tennis analogy that people are using at this point, you know, they've got two match balls left because a win from either of their remaining two fixtures will be enough. They go to France and play against Lille. Of course, Lille are in a good position in the group as well. Salzburg are also in a good position, the top of the group, of course. And I feel like in terms of a game that you imagine Salzburg can win, this is definitely high up there. So, 
you know, I think Salzburg will win this game. Well, I'm being positive because I want them to qualify for the knockouts. But yeah, it'll be a tough game in France, no doubt. Uh, Sevilla, what about the, the surprise? You know, we're targeting Sevilla as maybe the, the game to get the job done. I guess when we looked at the group stage initially, that would have been seen as a crunch game in a different sense. You know, Sevilla, the top team, it's maybe if, if Salzburg can get something from that, then, then things will be good. But, um, you know, what, what's going wrong with, with Sevilla? And can Salzburg go into that game with... Uh, you know, with a tag of favourites even, potentially? I think based on performances this season, Salzburg will be favourites for that game. You look at how they hit Sevilla with so much dynamism and should have probably won the reverse fixture. Sevilla are actually one of the oldest teams in the competition with uh, an average age in the squad of around 28 years. I just don't think they could live with, with Salzburg's youthful dynamism. We know what a young side Salzburg are. And Sevilla under a bit of pressure now uh, of their own because they were ahead at home to Lille and uh, ended up losing 2-1 in the group's other game. So that, those two results really do throw the group quite wide open. Salzburg top with seven. I think Lille are on five. And, and then you've got Wolfsburg on five. And Sevilla bottom now with just three draws. So it's really, really nicely poised going into the last two games. Perhaps a little bit too close for comfort from our point of view, though, because we wanted Salzburg to already go through. Just last thing on Salzburg then. You mentioned, you know, it's been a theme, it's been a topic about Salzburg having the defending, letting them down in Europe in seasons gone by. Was there a, a case to be made for that at all in this game? I thought the second goal from Mitcher was a really, really good hit. Smashed it in uh, sort of when I wasn't expecting it at the near post. The goalkeeper presumably not really expecting it either. Was it a brilliant finish and just one of those things that goes against you sometimes when you're playing at the top, top level? Or is there something that, that Salzburg could have done better? Well, I alluded to it earlier. I think Maxi Verba was slightly at fault. It was a, technically a brilliant strike straight into the top corner. In terms of power and placement, there wasn't too much that, that Philip Kuhn could do about that. But at the, at the same time, I, I, I felt that Maxi Verba stood off of him a little bit. I think he could have got closer, got in his face more, um, and at least positioned himself between the ball and the goal. So in that respect, I would say probably Maxi Verba slightly let himself down a little bit. But it was a similar situation for the first goal when uh, Reid Labaku was allowed to, to charge in unmarked at the back post as well. So I think Salzburg's defending did cost them a little bit in this game. Usually their attacking would be enough to make up for that. Not on this occasion, sadly. Tough one for Salzburg then, uh, taking their first defeat of the year in the Champions League and or in the Bundesliga. So uh, they didn't get any points. And we were aiming from the other Bundesliga. Our, our target was five points from these four Austrian games uh, involving you know, Austrian teams in Europe. With them being defeated, that meant that somebody else was going to have to come up with a bit of a special result. Um, and Sturm Graz were the team to actually manage that. They went away to San Sebastian to play uh, Real Sociedad. And in, uh, in the midst of an absolute flurry of torrential rain, they came away with their first point of the Europa League campaign. What an effort from Sturm Graz away in Spain. It wasn't only a torrential rain, there was torrential chances on the uh, Sturm Graz uh, goal with 30 shots for Sociedad, only seven for Sturm Graz. Expected goals for Sociedad was 4.57, uh, whereas with Sturm Graz it, it was uh, exactly on one. So how Sturm survived this game was really a, a remarkable achievement for Christian Nielsen's side. Of course, their first point of the group. If they had lost the, the match, they would have been out of the Europa League already. Now they have a very, very, very slender chance. Uh, they currently sit four points behind PSV in the table with two games to go. 
for, for the all-important all, all Europa Conference League place. Uh, I don't think they'll be, uh, they'll be usurping Sociedad in the group, but genuinely a remarkable performance. It started fantastically, where when Mamanpreet Sakaria got the ball down the right-hand side, played it in the box, and who was there at the back post? But, but, but Jakob Jansche to push the ball over the line, and you could just see the celebrations in the, in the team. They did not expect to go one up against the, the leaders of La Liga, and a team who've looked super impressive uh, all season. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't hold on um, with, with the flurry of chances. Alex Zander saw a lot with the goal early in the second half. But after that, it was just <laughs> all Sociedad. But uh, a brilliant performance by Jörg Siebenhandel and particularly David Affengruber, who was just sensational for Stone Gratz at centre-back. But it was a bit of a remarkable afternoon, wasn't it? A bit of a remarkable match because heading into the game, they had a positive corona test with their striker, uh, Kelvin Yaboa. So uh, this has now become quite a big issue and it forced the cancellation of their league match against Altac. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll get more into that on our Bundesliga pod, which you'll be able to hear very, very shortly. They got a, a, a remarkable point, and yeah, finally they're off the board. Some absolutely wonderful clearances in that game. You're right to mention Affengruber, but at some point the highlight reel became like a Sturmgratz defensive clearances from inside the six-yard box highlight reel. Affengruber made a couple of very, very difficult stops. One of them, you know, it's the kind where your keeper comes back and high-fives you after them. And they were, they were really good interventions, for, for, especially from Affengruber. He wasn't the only one. I think Lubic came up with a really big stop as well. So it was definitely an all-hands-on-deck um, game, which is appropriate for the, the incredibly heavy rain. But... I was interested in the injury time of this game was brilliant because it was just classic. Sociedad, of course, corner in injury time, 93rd minute, flicked on, they score, scenes, Sociedad have won the game, VAR comes back to, uh, to deny Sociedad the winner and uh, Sturmgratz keep the point. And then the celebrations at the final whistle, something you don't see that often in football these days. A team in, in European competition as well, you know, it's not like a, an FA Cup third round tie, it's like European competition, one all. And then you've got like Christian Ilse with uh, part of his technical team like leaping into his arms, like really like high fives all around, and then some on the Sturmgratz bench. They they went crazy at the full time whistle. And to be honest, I know some football fans don't like to see that when it's a draw, but I can't begrudge them that at all. Coming away with a, an extremely unlikely point, especially after playing several games in the Europa League this season, where their sort of efforts have been pretty much unrewarded with with slender defeats in games where they've given it their best shot and just sort of been not really been outclassed but you know they're playing at, at a higher difficulty level and uh, they haven't really been able to get any reward for it so I was really I was really happy to see them come away with that point I think that's the key point we've talked about this a lot this season about Sturm Graz having probably on paper one of the hardest Europa League groups you know we've described it as a bit of a, a Champions League light with Monaco PSV and as as you mentioned their side the the leaguers of uh, the leaders of La Liga rather um, so they've been consistently putting in the performances and haven't got the reward maybe this time if they they rode their luck a bit then we can't begrudge them that um i would like to apologize on behalf of Sturmgratz because after Jancha had put them ahead i tweeted goal to Sturmgratz uh, this means that well I, I, I tweeted goal to Sturmgratz against the la liga leaders this means that austria has a better league than spain and uh, I think I probably should have saved that tweet for the full-time whistle, but, but nonetheless, really happy for, for Sturm. And perhaps there's a slight chance they need to beat PSV, of course, and, and then Monaco, but perhaps, perhaps we can still keep dreaming that, that they might at least make that conference league place. And I, I think they could put together quite a run in that competition as well. 
Yeah, that game against PSV is, is a cup final. Um, I think if they go into that game, and of course, in the current circumstances, if they have the, the, the players to play in that game, then yeah, they need to get a result. And if they did get a result, it would set, set up a showdown on, on the 9th of December against Monaco, which would be a wonderful occasion in Graz. It's probably ideal for Sturm in many ways then that the international breaks come up now. There's a bit of time between their next fixtures. So hopefully time for everyone to uh, get back to full fitness. We wish them all the best, of course. It's a complete nightmare scenario with COVID outbreaks in the teams. You know, we'd hoped that we were going to be able to go through this winter without that happening. But unfortunately, the reality of life is happening already. So, yeah, not what we wanted to see. But nonetheless, a good day in Spain for Christian Ilza, on the footballing side at least, and for Jakob Jantje. Really happy for him too. I mean, this is a guy who played for Austria many years ago. You know, he's, he's had a long and distinguished career and it looked like he was sort of, yeah, just starting to, to fall away at Sturm Graz, fell out of favour, not really uh, valued anymore, like sort of over the hill, I guess, rated as over the hill by a lot of people, by some of his own former managers, in fact, as well. And now he's come back and proved what an influence he can be on that side you know really important really nice moment for him to score in the Europa League and just great for him you know going great guns in the league in the Europa League as well and just absolute nightmare for Sturm playing this game without main striker Kelvin Yeboah and when you've got Jakob Jantra up there too getting the goals then uh, you know they managed to, to cope with it so really good effort. Yeah, and particularly when the Real Sociedad coach Emmanuel Aguasil said it was their finest performance of the entire season and for Sturmgratz to get a point, yes, lads. <laughs> so even with that point, Sturmgratz uh, still up against it, really, in the battle for qualification. Hopefully they can sneak into third, as you mentioned, with that playoff final, as it were, or cup final against PSV to come. But one side who uh, have no such worries in their European campaign is LASK. So we'll move down briefly to the UEFA Europa Conference League uh, because the good news of the week for us was that LASK got the three points in the bag that win meant that uh, whatever happens now they will be making it past Christmas in European competition so beating Alashket home and away or away and then home as I should put it it's uh, it's been a, a surprisingly good European campaign for for Lask who sat bottom of the Bundesliga at the time of their home match in inverted commas against Alashket. Yeah, and uh, for Lask, it's somehow been a, a similar situation to Sturm Graz with cases of, of coronavirus emerging within the squad. And that meant that they went into this game against Alashka with up to 10 senior players out. They had Jan Boller suspended, James Holland, Hussein Balic and Dario Marasic all injured, Gurgic and Mamadou Karamoko both tested positive for COVID. And as such, I looked at the formation before this game and I thought, well, for the first time since we've been covering Lask, they're not playing with a back three, which is really unusual. And they played with a back four, which included Lukaneda and Renner as the central defensive partnership and Hong at left back. Now we know he's usually a, a central midfielder. So I think they, they were a little bit up against it in, in personnel terms heading into this one. But they were also playing against one of the worst teams in the competition. Uh, we can't really disguise that one of only three teams that hasn't got a single point uh, in the competition uh, as it stands. And uh, even then, they still did struggle with a little bit of their usual you know, fluidity. I think the thing that got them over the line in the end is their really high pressing and intensity, which Alashka couldn't really hope, uh, cope with. And uh, in the end, two goals for, for Keito Nakamura. Um, the first one rounding off a really nice one-touch team move and the second one two minutes from time. Um, giving them a win, which, as you say, Tom, uh, leaves them with just a, a tricky challenge in Israel to navigate 
and perhaps they could even steal top spot in the group. Yeah, great week for Keita Nakamura, of course, those two goals. It was only his fifth appearance in a Lask shirt, so really important uh, for him to get on the board, uh, the, the Japanese striker. So uh, I was happy for, for that, for, for him getting those two goals. But um, did Lask ride their luck at all, would you say, in this game? Because it was 1-0 until fairly late on, and Embolo got the goal also for Alashkert, ruled out by, by a very marginal, shall we say, offside call. Um, how, how good was the performance and how much was it just about getting over the line and getting the three points? I think it really was, given the circumstances, all about getting over the line. It wasn't as good a performance as the away, the, the away fixture a few weeks ago, which they won 3-0. I think that uh, they just weren't quite at the races and that could, could be due to the fact that they are playing with an unfamiliar formation and, and unfamiliar personnel in those positions. But by the same token... Aside from the disallowed goal, I don't really think Alashka offered anything. As I say, one of the, the lower quality teams in the competition. So, you know, it would be really concerning if Lask hadn't got the win uh, against this kind of team, even um, with their first team available. So the last game away at uh, Alashkert, Armenian champions, no less. Couple, two champions, I think, in that group. I don't know if uh, the Israeli side are also champions, but uh, HJK Helsinki. Two champions in that group, uh, HJK champions of Finland, Alashket champions of Armenia. Uh, Lask have beaten them both now away from home, but they had a long flight to the game away from home. But they also, uh, slightly controversially here, not here in Austria, had a flight to their home game as well. I say home because they're playing in Klagenfurt. Obviously, it's a long way away. Uh, there's not that many fans who are going to make that journey midweek. But uh, in the midst of the climate conference that's going on at the same time, it wasn't great optics, shall we say, for Lask to fly to that home game in Klagenfurt. And it's sort of the latest in a, in a line of things that the club have done over the last few years, which, you know, the, the phrase not great optics could, uh, could come to mind for at least. So what, what was the, the thinking behind that? Well, I think given everything that's going on at the squad at the moment, they just wanted to, and as well with the, the, the fixtures coming thick and fast, they just wanted to save time. Uh, they've justified this by saying that it was only a, a 30-minute flight and that, that that would make it all very quick for them in midweek. But, you know, that doesn't include the time that you spend going to the airport, boarding, then travelling on the other side. So, really, I think they might might as well have just got the bus. Just to put this into perspective, this is a couple of hundred kilometres and, um, you know, Rapid Vienna got in, in some hot water uh, with the media uh, just a few months ago for, for flying to Prague and this is an even shorter distance. So, you can understand, particularly in light of what's happening in Glasgow at the moment, why this, this perhaps wouldn't go down so well, and, and that's proven the case. Uh, nonetheless, with that behind him, they did, of course, get the win. They've done the double over Alash Kert, and that keeps them level on points in second place in their group uh, with two more games still to come. Yes, and that next game away at Maccabi Tel Aviv is going to be the all-important game of the group because uh, it will via the, the, the brand new uh, group format in the uh, Europa League and Conference League. If you finish second in the Conference League, you will play the third-place teams of the Europa League. So it is in Lask's interest to finish top of the group to, to avoid that extra round and potentially a very tough opponent dropping down from the very tough Europa League. So, uh, yeah, this game in Tel Aviv on the 25th of November is very, very important for Lask, and we, we hope to get the victory because it would just be brilliant for them to be in the round of 16 once again in the European competition. Yes, very good point indeed. So whilst uh, all the newspapers are talking about Lask, qualifying already and being through to the next round in a sense they are but there is still definitely something riding 
on the, on that remaining fixture, one of their two remaining fixtures anyway. Moving back up to the UEFA Europa League, we'll move over to SK Rapid. You mentioned they uh, got in a bit of hot water for flying to Prague recently. This time it was Zagreb, and uh, I think they travelled by bus this time. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they flew this one as well. But uh, they were not too far away down the road in Zagreb. Their fans were not allowed to make the journey, unfortunately, given the crowd trouble in the game between uh, West Ham United and Rapid Vienna in London a few weeks ago. But uh, Rapid made the trip to Dinamo, and unfortunately they came away empty-handed despite taking an early lead it was uh, Dinamo Zagreb 3, Rapid Vienna 1 in the Maximir Stadium. And um, it's looking tough now for them as well to get through, isn't it? It is, and it's disappointing given the bright start, as you say. Uh, a nice ball through the middle from, from Lubacic and Knas put them ahead after eight minutes. Um, but then by the halfway mark, they've been pulled back. They're already 2-1 behind. And then a, a late goal in the, in the 83rd minute, rounding it off. I think this was a game of, of missed opportunities for Rapid because once they, they had the lead, they needed to get the basics right. I personally think that some of the defending was a little bit suspect. You look at the first and second goals for Dinamo Zagreb and they both came from forays down the left wing, the Dinamo Zagreb left wing, the right back area for Rapid that, that weren't covered uh, particularly well. I don't think Hoffman and, and Iwu covered themselves in glory in those two instances. And then you look at Sutalo's third goal as well, a free kick into the box. He's completely unmarked. So Rapid only have themselves to blame for this one, but it's not too much of a difference from their, their Bundesliga form. Things just aren't falling for them right now. Yeah, things aren't falling for them right now, and they sit fourth in the group. Although it's a very, very tight group where they're only three points off second, so there's still uh, quite a big chance there. And one point off the uh, third uh, place, which will drop them into the Conference League playoffs. So it's still a lot of things to play for. But next up is uh, West Ham United, who uh, won against Liverpool and are looking fantastic in the Premier League. So that is going to be a very tough game. But the, the, the match will, will be played in front of a sellout crowd in Vienna, which is uh, something that we don't get too often at the Yellen Stadium at the moment. So that'll be a wonderful atmosphere. And hopefully they can pick off a famous result against uh, the David Moyes' Hammers. Yes, as you say, that group's still very much open, still a lot to play for for Rapid, but given that West Ham and uh, Genk away are their two remaining fixtures, they will need to pull off a shock in one of those games, uh, at least one of those games, if they are to get through. The, the potential of third is still uh, just within touching distance, but uh, I'd say from our point of view, it perhaps looks quite unlikely that they're going to be able to actually get up to third, doesn't it? I can't see it happening. I think Austria's best chances. Uh, for getting teams through to the knockout stages. Well, Lasker already there, at least in the last 32, and, and Salzburg as well. I think these, these two teams in the Europa League are perhaps just a little bit um, above their level um, at the moment. Got some tough groups, and I think both of them probably won't make it through to the next round. Just a couple of um, side notes, one mainly. I was rummaging around in the press pack for this uh, Rapid Vienna Dinamo Zagreb game, and... Uh, some interesting all-time UEFA Europa League statistics that I did not know. Apparently, uh, Rapid Vienna have made the, the joint most appearances in the Europa League group stages with nine, along with two other teams. Any guesses what they might be? Is one of them Salzburg? It's not actually, no. No other Austrian teams. Uh, Italy and Netherlands. I'm going for PSV mm -hmm. and Fiorentina. Close. PSV and Lazio. But I just, I instantly thought, well, it must be severe. But of course, they keep dropping down from the, the Champions League and then going on to win it. 
Some less uh, positive stats for Rapid as well. Um, they've lost 12 of their last 16 away fixtures in the Europa League. Um, they've conceded a competition 105 goals in the group stages and their tally of 29 defeats is also a competition record. So some, uh, yeah, n- not the best reading or, or listening indeed for, for Rapid Vienna fans, but there's still a chance and they'll cling on to that. So they are actually a peak Europa League team. When you, when you imagine a classic Europa League game, I'm not sure that Rapid Vienna spring to mind for too many people, but it factually is true that they are they're an absolute peak Europa League team. Yeah, I was disappointed, I've got to say, at this level. It was the first game that I've seen from Rapid where I felt like they, they really looked beaten. Once they'd gone behind, they really looked beaten. Um, and, and it was just the very opposite in the home game against Dinamo. They pulled off a shock result. They pulled off an amazing result. And uh, they, they went ahead again. They, they fought back and they took the lead. And then they held on to that. And they, they looked good holding on to it. And it was just the polar opposite here in Zagreb. You know, you mentioned the two goals came down the, the Dinamo Zagreb left wing. They were cheap goals. They were easy goals. And, and I felt like Rapid just gave the lead away, basically. And all of a sudden, the game was then 2-1 to Zagreb and, and the hosts didn't look back. It was always going to be tough once you've given away your advantage. And oh, I, d- I was just filled with hope when, when Knaas Mulder clipped in that goal. I guess it's the, a very, uh, very apt description of that, a clip. You know, he was there through one-on-one with the goalkeeper and just managed to sort of just dink it to the left of the keeper. And then it, it had that, that moment of uncertainty, the defenders running after it. Is it going to have enough pace to, to go over the line? It hits the inside of the post, makes it impossible to, for the defender to clear it. It was a brilliant finish. And I thought, oh, oh you know, we could be onto something here. Could be uh, backing up their win at home against Dinamo with, with something else. And once they just, you know, they, they'd just given that, I think they say like out of your hand in German is like the expression that they, they, they give, a, they, they use a lot. And you just never felt like they were going to get back into it. And certainly at 3-1, it was, it was really game over. And I worried at that point, you know, I haven't seen Rapid look so, so defeated in a game for a long time. Um, and it, it, it certainly calls into question Didi Kubara, I think, at this point. You know, his, there's been questions over, over him the whole season. And should we dive into that more on the Bundesliga pod? Or, or do you want to do it here too? I think it's an expectations game. And I think Rapid's expectations, uh, due to their... their historical pedigree are much higher in Austria so maybe that's one for the Bundesliga pod um, but you know it, it is safe to say that this was a performance where they, they literally gave it to, to Dinamo Zagreb on a plate to come back into the game and, and so I think that's why there'll be, there'll be such disappointment because think a win in this game they'd be second on six points Dinamo would be on three and the whole complexion of the group would be looking uh, very different. Yes, you never know what will happen on match days five and six, but uh, certainly this looked like it was going to be the pivotal fixture, didn't it? Even if Rapid had got anything from the game, it would have left the group looking a whole lot more positive from their standpoint. From our standpoint and the Austrian standpoint, we were aiming for five points. So a win and two draws potentially was, uh, was what we were looking for, for a success in this match day, in this round of fixtures. We didn't get that. Uh, we didn't get too far away, though, with, with Sturm's uh, excellent point against Sociedad. That meant that... Austria had four, so it wasn't a complete disaster in terms of the coefficient. One win, one draw, two defeats. Um, where do you see that going from here? You know, how, how bad a week was that? And uh, what can Austria do in, the, in match days five and six? Are we going to see a bounce back? Um, yeah, you'd, you'd hope for some sort of a bounce back. And there are four games there where there is a potential to, to get a result from all of them. Uh, they're quite important as well. Obviously, match day five is when, it, when, the, when the group starts getting down to the, to the, the real business. For Rapid, it's a must-win game against West Ham if they have, if they want to uh, to qualify from the group. 
For the Lask, it's a must-win game away at Maccabi Tel Aviv. For Sturmgratz, it's a must-win game away at PSV Eindhoven. And for Salzburg, they go to France and play against Lille. And it's sort of a must-win as well because, you know, a victory will pretty much seal their, their navigation into the knockout stage. And, you know, that's something we'd love to see. An Austrian club in the knockout stage of the UEFA Champions League hasn't happened in a long, long time. Uh, Maybe even before it's called the Champions League. Tom said it happened with the two um, Graz, but no, it didn't because that was in the in the seasons when there were two group stages. So Sturm Graz, because this was brought up on Twitter as well, because Sturm Graz won their first Champions League group, but then were limited in their second Champions League group. So this would be the first time they're actually in the knockout stage of the UEFA Champions League. So obviously a, a draw would be good because they're in a good, a good position, but a win there as well. So you have four games with. All of the teams must win. Of course, it's football. You always should win. But these, for, 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 for the groups, for the, the layout of the groups, these are four must wins. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll look more positively than um, this game week and say seven points. I'll go for a Lask win, a Salzburg win, and a rapid draw. I'm loath to make predictions now that it really gets to the crunch time. But what I will say is that you talked about, you know, perhaps is this a, a disappointing round of matches. I think that just shows how far Austria's stock has risen with its clubs in European competition. Because the fact that a country with this degree of finances in the game, uh, population size, it's a small country in the middle of Europe. The fact that we are now sitting here saying that we've, you know, there's only one win, a draw and two defeats and that's a bad week. I think that tells you about Austria's journey over the past few years and yeah, perhaps a, a little bit of a positive note to conclude the pod with. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, keep things in perspective. It's uh, for a bad week. It's a good week <laughs> in its own way. And I'm really looking forward to match day five now, Sai. You've hyped up all four games as must wins. And I know what you mean. You know, they, th- there's a lot riding on it for each of these clubs. No, no one's going to be coasting into that. The teams that need to fight to stay in it uh, have, have got the crunch games. And the teams that are looking good for, to qualify have also got important games in terms of their standing and their, their final placings. So really uh, an exciting match day five to look forward to. What better note to leave the pod than that one so thanks very much for joining us on the other Bundesliga for our European match day four review and our preview of match day five a long time really a few weeks to wait until those games take place but uh, we're all looking forward to it and we're looking forward to coming back on the other Bundesliga and uh, chatting about those games when these four decisive games have taken place we'll see you again then If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.